0: Today's show is brought to you by SoFi. Whatever your next goal is, get there sooner with a personal loan from SoFi. Low rates, no hidden fees, no kidding. Learn more at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit SoFi.com legal for more information. Loans originated by SoFi Lending Corp. and are not available in all states.
1: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode. Hosted by Kara Swisher. Powered by digital media.
0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. You may know me as the person who replaced Steve Bannon on the National Security Council, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode on iTunes.com recodedecode Recode Decode, and while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair is Bijan Sabat, a general partner at Spark Capital and someone who I've known forever. He has invested in companies including Twitter, Tumblr, Foursquare, Trello, and RunKeeper. Bijan is also a vocal blogger and tweeter in the past couple months, speaking out against our dear leader, President Trump, and his attempted travel bans, which is why I love Bijan. Thank you for coming to Recode. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me. So we have so much to talk about, um, but let's start a little bit about your background. I I mean, obviously, you've invested. I've known you for a long time because I've written about a lot of companies you've invested in, and you're also a New York-based venture capitalist.
1: Well, I grew up in New York, yeah. Um, but I, my office is in Boston. We right. have an Boston, office I'm here. In, in East Coast um, yep. We have an office here in San Francisco and New York, but but home right now is Boston.
0: Boston. So, but East Coast based, not right. from here. So, right. talk a little bit about how you got there, because most venture capitalists are here. A lot of the tech right. investment is here. Obviously, I'd love to hear the story about how you got to Twitter and things like that. Just briefly. So, talk a little bit about your background. How did you get to be a Boston-based venture capitalist?
1: I mean the. Quick version of this is: I'm a Long Island kid. After mm-hmm. uh, undergrad, I came out here. I attended my first MacWorld in '91, and then uh, packed up my hatchback and moved out here mm-hmm. and uh, got a job. Why? Uh, why
0: did you come here?
1: You know, I was 21, and I just was blown away. I'd never been out here before, and um, and then when I came out for my first MacWorld, I was just you know floored at what was going w- were
0: on. Were you here. a geek in high school? Yeah. What, what, what yeah. was your why? I like to know the origins of the You know, my geek, right? dad
1: is a doctor, but he was really into gadgets, computers. We got an Apple II early, and um, I was computer science. And in just,
0: college, where? Uh-huh, at you?
1: Boston College. Uh-huh. And um, just was always part of what, you know, I was interested in. What did you in. like about? Making stuff, figuring out problems, um, and and just kind of, you know, building things. You know, we were, you know— Creating modem adding modems to these Apple IIs early, uh, figuring out how to talk to people around the planet it was mm-hmm. it was super exciting
0: so what what did you hope to do? Did you want to create companies No, the-
1: no, it was more of you know i was twenty one and I just wanted to write software and do something far away from home
0: right and this was what year would this be this 91 be? so this was super super early AOL had mm-hmm. just gotten started Netscape right. didn't go public for many many years what right. were you thinking of computers at the time that they were sort of these little islands of computing or yeah I mean, the networked computers were happening now correct correct
1: um, you know it was pre-wi-fi <laughs> pre-commercial internet I mean there was I was on I'm sure you could i could find it i was on some crazy usenet groups yep. back then but it was it wasn't i wasn't this amazing programmer mm-hmm. it was more just a kind of a ticket for me to get to do interesting things and and get out here mm-hmm. um so i worked for this little company in santa clara uh for a short period of time um called integrated systems that made real-time operating systems and then i went to apple computer in 90 uh five right and uh It it was a dark time at Apple, but all I wanted to do was work was at Apple. But you know, as soon as I got there, I found out somebody renamed the printer in our department uh, resume writer.
0: (laughs) It was it was pretty
1: bad. (laughs) But I I met a bunch of people there, great people, and I got introduced to. Who was the CEO?
0: Was it what's
1: his name? The CEO at the time was Michael Spindler.
0: Oh, Spindler! Yeah, those were good times. The German. Oh my God, the worst CEO. The worst. The worst.
1: And uh, I was in the Claris division. I don't know if you remember all this oh, stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I met the. But you folks. wanted to
0: be there because Apple was so iconic. I, I
1: wanted to be there. I was twenty-four or something. Yeah. And uh, or yeah. And um, so
0: the first disappointment.
1: First disappointment. But then I met uh, the three founders of WebTV, mm-hmm. and I joined WebTV really early on. Yeah, Steve Perlman, um, Phil Goldman, and Bruce Leake, and uh, joined WebTV, and that was my first real startup experience
0: yeah, that was in seattle right Is it? no no it was, yeah, in palo alto. Seattle, it was in palo alto yep. and you what was your what was crazy steve perlman doing then
1: you know the idea of web Explain tv it. was to build a set-top box that connect to right. everyday televisions and bring you the internet
0: on your television on your
1: television so yeah. it was kind of a combination of netscape and aol we had mm-hmm. a dial-up service and uh we sold a box in retail to consumers I that
0: remember i still have mine <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and you know the idea was you know pcs at the time were thousands of dollars and we were going to make it so that it's compatible with the internet for $199. Mm-hmm. And, and then and um, well, it was it was tough. It was really I tough. Knew you were and you um, Yeah. Wow. And, and but you know what? We we the first holiday there was so much hype, and we uh, you know didn't meet the expectations. But we you know started you know iterating, started building next generation products, and then two and a half years later, Microsoft bought the company for mm-hmm. uh, $400 million. Right. $425 million, right. Yeah. Which
0: is a big exit. At Which the time. A big
1: exit. And um, and their
0: concept was similar that there, it was all coming to the television. They had all those deals right. with the cable companies. That's right. That's all right. Those hopes. And
1: I ended up, you know, becoming a biz dev guy working with, uh, you know, Greg Maffei and Hank Hill and uh-huh. investing in cable companies. Vigil. And I was this little punky kid trying uh-huh. to pretend I knew what I was doing.
0: And so you were still out here, or did I was you still go, out here? You were still yeah, out yeah. Here. So
1: I came in '91, and then uh, and then after Web TV, I stayed at Microsoft for about. 365 days <laughs> and then um and then Steve Perlman and a bunch of us from web TV, I'd say probably 10 of us started a company called Moxie Digital of
0: course which
1: was not the greatest company ever right. uh, but explain it, what
0: that did for the people who don't remember you know
1: the idea was to build a you know what you know, a digital server for the home. Mm-hmm. So the idea was to take That's all Steve's your
0: interest forever.
1: Loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but web TV, by the way, was amazing. You know, Andy Rubin was at web TV. Sure. I mean, just, it was, a, it was a, an amazing, first they were general
0: magic and then they went to web TV right. and then they had to actually be successful.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, web TV. I thought was Steve was, great, was a right? general
0: magic too.
1: If I remember. He absolutely was. Um, and, uh, but anyway, Moxie, we wanted to build a, a, a server for the home that would distribute audio, video, internet mm-hmm. content throughout your house. Um, we raised sixty million dollars um, in our Series A in '99, mm-hmm. um, with, without any product or anything, and then we spent it mm-hmm. and learned a lot of lessons. And I, I met, you know, Peter Curry you know, Danny Reimer, and Peter were investors in that's our right. company, uh, the Barksdale um, Group. That's right. And you had on Quincy recently. I, did. I listened to that oh, podcast, yeah. and Quincy was our our lead investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was where I first um, met when I first met him.
0: Mm-hmm. So you so you were here doing the thing, the BD yeah. thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. startups that overpay and overvalued. So you right. learned a lot about that on that side.
1: I did. And then, you know, in that 10 years, you know, the company was sold. We sold it in 01. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I got here in 91, and this place was a bit of a morgue. <laughs> when I left in 01, it was it was also a bit, you know, challenging times. But sure. along There's the, the way, I met this amazing person. I got married, mm-hmm. and um, she was from the East Coast. And uh after the whole Moxie thing, she said, hey, you know, I want to go back to Boston. And I said, I'll, I'll come with you.
0: Right. And so what was your plan then? Because there, I there, didn't there, have there a are plan. companies in Boston, obviously. There's lots of, but it's not the center. It was not the center.
1: No, not at all. And at that time, it was, it was pretty tough. But I knew a few folks in Boston, not many. Uh, one was this guy named Mike Ahern, who was uh, the VP of HR at Apple. He had moved mm-hmm. back to Boston. And he was a recruiting partner at Charles River Ventures. Mm-hmm. And uh, they hired me as an EIR. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I joined Charles River at that time when I moved out there and um, I became really close to this uh, new partner over there named Santo and Santo and I became like um, you know fast we we're like peanut butter and chocolate and mm-hmm. and um, by '04, um, we decided we wanted to start our own firm and, and what was um, the
0: thinking behind it what was the idea
1: I mean, it, it was a, a few things. You know, we had this view that you know we were wanted to invest in things we were passionate about. Sure. And you know, most VCs at the time were, had this kind of diversification strategy where they had somebody who was the
0: enterprise, you know, enterprise
1: guy. guy, somebody was the consumer guy, mm-hmm. somebody was the telecom guy. They're all guys, by the way. And, yeah, I you know that. Know, and um, I've noticed that recently. Yeah. <laughs> Continues. And, it's and fascinating. so we. um Felt like we want to start a firm that was, you know, we would only invest in things that we actually cared about. Not necessarily that things would be only good investments. Was
0: there any areas of topic that? that yeah,
1: that I mean, our focus when we consumer. launched was consumer, mm-hmm. and and at the time, you know, consumer Boston. This was not a a, a real um, obvious thing at the time. Sure, um, and, and not in
0: Boston for sure.
1: Not in Boston. Uh, you know, Todd Degris came. um He was the co-founder from Battery. He had a great track record at, at Battery, and so the three of us launched Spark One and. July of 05, 12 years ago.
0: Right. And your, your concept, the, the differentiating factor is you're from the East Coast, and you do have a different attitude, I suppose. Did you really, or did what was your selling point to people? Because here you- To
1: inve- LPs or to yeah, entrepreneurs? To, to entrepreneurs. Well, I mean, I think that what we kind of, you know, would tell entrepreneurs is that we had a different attitude when it came to working with founders. We wanted to, you know, think of, we were obsessing about consumers. So, like, you know, when I met David Karp, when he was 19, founder of Tumblr, Tumblr, you know, we were already, you know, obsessed about consumer and media. It wasn't like we had to learn about, you know, why this was important or interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think our focus on this area was the thing that set us apart.
0: So talking about that Tumblr. That was a big investment. Twitter and Tumblr were two big investments Mm -hmm. that you had that did. uh, Tumblr almost tumbled, and then you sold it off to Yahoo. Congratulations on that one. Um, but it was very hot at the time. W- right. talk, talk about what the concept was and where you think you went, where it went wrong and why it had to sell.
1: Well, I mean, Tumblr, I, I felt like, was this amazing product that kind of allowed people to be fully self-expressive self, ex- self expressive on the internet. Right. And, um, and David, people had done
0: blogging before and they had done websites and there were tons right. of that kind of stuff. That's right. That, and many of which died. At
1: the- yeah, I mean, what David, I think, was – David's brilliant. He has this – Unique personality, where he uh, capability, where he was an artist plus he's technical, like so he could think of something and then build it on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And Tumblr allowed you know people to co- express themselves fully in mm-hmm. a very creative way, and it really I think caught on with the New York creatives, and then it, it just spread from there. Right. And I think the simplicity of it was also part of the magic, mm-hmm. uh, because before that you can use stale blogging products that existed, and and people kind of started those, and then they would. Yeah. leave those. Mm-hmm. And and Tumblr, I think it was just so easy and so beautiful that it just kept growing and growing and growing. Right. So I, I guess the only thing I would I would be able to, you know, to kind of maybe add on is I, I don't think it tumbled. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it it was a great well, company you're and You were of money. You were You know, we were could have raised another round. Mm-hmm. You know, Marissa paid 1.1 billion and it felt like that was quite compelling, but mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think we would have been, you know, I think we would have had a perfectly good company.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Perfectly good company, but you sold it. We did sell it. (laughs) Yeah, so why did you sell it?
1: You know, I think at the time it just felt like, you know, David was the majority shareholder, and, you know, I was on the board, and we felt like this was uh, something that, you know, we can either sell now or raise another round. You know, we hadn't really proven – the business model yet, but we felt like this. Given the size of the user base, it, sure. it, it wasn't. It didn't feel far fetched to think that we could build a profitable. And actually,
0: harder company. because I mean, right now with all this this stuff, this troubles Google's going under around controversial right. content, and right. Tumblr was full of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was told repeatedly from you know Marissa and others that our the content that was kind of you know sketchy, edgier, yeah. um, was not, was not disproportionate to the rest of the internet.
0: Right. 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 But so, for some reason, people thought that.
1: You know, I think people love to give David a hard time. Yeah? You I, think? I, I do. Think.
0: So what, what do you imagine is going to happen to it now after this? That's a yeah. great
1: question. I'm, I'm amazed David's still there. It just shows yeah. that he has a love affair with Tumblr. And, you know, he's put up with all the craziness and mm-hmm. reorgs and Yahoo and now Oath. Yeah, um, Oath. Oh, um, so he's still there. I, I hope that, that Tim, you know, really understands that they've built something special over there.
0: And talk about Twitter. How did you get involved with that? What, what did you see? You met David when he was 19 yeah, and saw yeah. something there. I,
1: I met Twitter through Andy Rubin. Andy mm-hmm. introduced me. You know, Ev was at Google, mm-hmm. and um, I got connected to Biz first. I joined as a user first right? and just became addicted like all of us did and i just really want to meet the team and uh, so andy introduced me to biz first and then ev and then jack and then uh, i kept um you know groveling to be an investor and they they right. finally and said yes and you were very early I- into right. that into
0: right. that what were you thinking was going to happen there what was your thought when you cuz i think a lot right. of people listen they want to know what was your decision like what did you go that's what i'm going to put money, my money into
1: well i had never seen a product that had this combination of fun and utility you know mm-hmm. I, I felt like and that was the special part for me like you know google is is has utility but it's not fun you know and then there were plenty mm-hmm. of things to do online that were fun but didn't have utility and i felt like twitter was this first powerful um experience that combined the two mm-hmm. in in a way that i hadn't seen before and um and then plus the founders are so compelling and mm-hmm. all that combined I, I just needed to uh figure out how to become an investor
0: so you stayed in it. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're not, are you still an investor?
1: No, I joined the board at that yeah, time. You did. That's I, right. I left in 11. Uh, the company was you know, going through a process to gear up for a public offering. Uh, and um, you know I, Spark is uh, still a small shareholder in the company. Right. Uh, we were the largest. And, um, and uh, the Sabbath household is still an investor.
0: So how do you look at its trajectory? Of what's happened? Because there was a lot of promise and hype around Twitter. They had right. a lot of offers to sell to Facebook and others, and Google, and, and interested. And then they went public, and then went through so much management turmoil that it's kind of fascinating. Although it's the same players, right? Pretty right. much, right? Which is interesting. Yeah. Trading seats back and forth. How, how do you look at that now, from being an outsider, even though you're not, you're not a principal?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, there are times where you know there's been. Countless times we could have sold the company. Right. You know, I mean, I remember oh. six, to- six months after I joined the board, Facebook, you know, Dan Rose and I had like a, an understanding to sell the company for $500 million. 500 million. Yeah, I wrote that and, story. And, yeah. um, and then Ev woke up and said, I don't want to sell the company. And we didn't sell the company. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, was, I was forever grateful. But he was the largest shareholder. And, you know, I wanted, mm-hmm. you know, that was critical what he wanted to Why do. Why
0: did you want to sell it? What was oh, it I didn't want to sell it. Oh, but I you had an understanding.
1: Well, at that time, Ev and the board felt like we should go figure this out you know mm-hmm. if, if facebook really wants to buy the company it felt like you know we had raised a little bit of money um we had a small user base at the time i mean it was mm-hmm. a few million active yeah, users so it was kind of like if they're willing to pay a significant amount for the company we should pay attention to it mm-hmm. and i asked ev uh what do you think we should sell it for he says well if they offer 500 i'll take it seriously so i, I told dan you know 500 hundred, will take it seriously he said We'll, we'll offer 500 Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, we all decided we we're going to sleep on it. And the next day, Ev, I think he's published the letter that he sent yeah. to me and Fred and Jack. Mm-hmm. But he he, uh, he woke up and said, I don't want to sell it. And it was, it was, that was it.
0: Right. And did you think that was a mistake?
1: No, I was, I was super glad. And, and I guess the, the reason I'm bringing that story up is that, you know, if, if you had told me then mm-hmm. that this company would have, you know, hundreds of millions of users, this amazing brand and worth, uh, today maybe it's worth 11 billion or something, mm-hmm. I, I would have been ecstatic. Right, right, um, right, The issue, I think, is about expectations. Mm-hmm. I think people hope to be bigger, faster growing, et cetera. What do you
0: think the problem had been? I mean, I think comparing it to Facebook was the problem. I It was the original sin.
1: I did too. I did too. I, and I think, look, Facebook is an extraordinary company. I think Twitter is still a very unique thing. I don't think it's... You know snapchat's growth changes the twitter value prop for users or experience i mean i i just think it's a different thing and uh and you know that it's just it's just totally different
0: what happens to it if you're an outsider now
1: I'm an outsider. Look, I, I hope that the company stays independent. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I think it, it can. It's got plenty of money, by the way. It's got sure. billions of dollars. And um, it has this amazing brand. Uh, people love it. and yep, especially um,
0: President Trump. We can get to that oh later. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that next.
1: Okay. And um, so I, I hope it's independent forever. Mm-hmm. I do.
0: You think it will be?
1: That I don't know. I really mm. don't know. You don't know, but I hope it had
0: it attempted to sell and then wasn't able to. That's, that's what
1: I, I read that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wrote that too. I know.
0: And then lastly, Foursquare, and we'll talk about Trello and uh, later because that's more recent success you've had. Mm-hmm. But Foursquare, another sort of shooting star, and it's right. sort of wandering in the wilderness right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's coming back. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've been keeping up with Dennis I'm or whatnot, yeah. but it's uh, it's. Definitely in a very good place. It was There were some scary moments with that company, yeah. for sure. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it looked like we were in real trouble. Um, but I give a lot of credit to Dennis and Jeff and the team over there. I mean, they've really not only stabilized it, but it's growing very nicely. Mm-hmm. The business model's working. Team is doing great. So... I think Foursquare is, is really an exciting company right but
0: it's now. But st- why did you initially want to invest in another? They're very similar. I can see a very similar line in your investment yeah, theory.
1: I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, the Foursquare I felt like was the most, you know, unique product to really get a handle on navigating a city and, and finding things mm. out. I mean, Yelp never did it for me. I, I felt like, you know, the Yelp thing where it's like people you don't know are telling you whether you should go eat at that sushi place wasn't really compelling for me. Right. And uh, and Foursquare, it was about your friends telling you what was interesting or not interesting, and and I always felt like that was a a, a more uh, a more powerful way to uh, discover new places.
0: And what did you think went wrong there? What was Because it was so hot, it was so after the South by Southwest, and it was right, everywhere, right, and right. it was on the covers. What what went wrong? I I, I think
1: the competitive landscape for Foursquare just got harder. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that Instagram. It wasn't a competitor directly, but indirectly it was because suddenly people were posting photos sure. of of like having a cappuccino at this restaurant. And all of a sudden, it's, that whole location thing was kind of mm-hmm. – that was like a competing thing for people's attention. And, and there were more products being launched that weren't directly competitors but kind of uh, occupied a different space. And, and I just think it just became harder.
0: And they were playing around with the mayor stuff for too long or –
1: yeah, I remember you could be the mayor of places. And yes. I, I think people still love that stuff. Yeah. They still have it. Um, yeah. But it was uh, that whole games part of Foursquare was a big part of it. And I think that kind of had a life for people.
0: What should they have done? Like when you talk about getting scary, you have all these these companies that were at junctures. Right. You know, talk a little bit about that idea of junctures, difficult junctures where things happen. Well,
1: look, I think when a company – You know unlike what i think a lot of people don't realize these companies rarely go up and to the right Mm -hmm. you know they these are hard to get startups going and you know foursquare i think the hardest part was they had this massive early success Mm -hmm. raised lots of money because the company was so promising and 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 growing and then when things became you know leveled off i think that's when you suddenly have a, a moment that you've got to deal with the hard issues suddenly you're not growing as fast as you were you've got, you know, employees, shareholders, this whole industry staring at you. And, you know, and, and it's it's hard. It, it's really challenging for any management team or entrepreneur to really deal with that. And what's were, your
0: role in that then?
1: You know, I think I've, you know, evolved. But, you know, I think VCs have a role to help support the management team and help them kind of get through it. And um, And I think the thing that Foursquare did was I think they could have sold the company, and mm-hmm. they decided to really grind through it and figure out a business model, and, and they did it.
0: Mm-hmm. From all those different experiences, Tumblr, Twitter, and Foursquare, what what did you take away from it?
1: You know, I, I think, you know, in all those cases, these were young founders, and I think the the two things I, I, I learned is um, this whole notion of, like, pattern matching with VCs and all that stuff. I, I really kind of learned that that's can be counterproductive. I think what works great for one company, these are unique places with unique founders and unique cultures, and mm-hmm. and I think the thing I, I learned two things. One is that each company has to do it their way, and and to be patient. You know, Tumblr. You know, yes, we had a great exit for over a billion dollars or whatever, but it was seven years. I mm-hmm. mean, it was not like a YouTube situation right. or an Instagram situation, and I think I think you've got to be patient with these things. I think it's too easy in this environment to kind of expect kind of a uber like thing or an instagram thing overnight and and um, well, we'll get to uber okay we'll get to but I, I think i think uh patience is, is is critical
0: all right we're here with bijan sabat um he is a venture investor with spark capital and he's also become an activist we're going to talk about that in a minute this podcast is brought to you by sofi whether you want to cut your credit card debt pay for home improvement or cover a big purchase a personal loan from sofi is the easiest way to make your goals happen from low rates to no hidden fees, SoFi is a new financial company that is all about helping you save money. Plus, when you pay off your existing credit card debt with a personal loan from SoFi, you may even raise your credit score, too. Find your rate in just two minutes. Get started at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit SOFi.com legal for more information. Loans originated by SoFi Lending Corp. and are not available in all states. I'd also like to tell you about Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who'd you talk to this week?
1: Kara, guess who I just talked to? The male version of you, Mike
0: Allen from Axios, formerly Politico. He has this amazing newsletter he publishes every morning, including the weekends. He does not stop. Jan with Political News, we talked about how he generates that, how he gets it, what the new media landscape is like, how he launched a new media startup. You're familiar with that story as well. It's great. It's frenetic. It's high energy. You'll like it. You can find Recode Media on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're here with Bijan Sabat, the venture capitalist who comes from Boston at Spark Capital, and he's invested in things like Tumblr, Twitter, Foursquare, Trello, and RunKeeper. We've been talking a little bit about his past investments. Um, I want to talk about what you're doing right now, and then in the next segment, I'd like to talk about where you think investments are going and some of your Mm -hmm. more current ones. But you've gotten super political. Yeah, and that's unusual because as, as political as Silicon Valley thinks it is, it isn't at all. Mm-hmm. Not many people step out, and you've stepped out rather extensively around the Trump administration, especially around immigration. Talk a little bit about that and why you're doing that.
1: Well, look, I think um, I, I think we caught up a few months ago. I, yeah,
0: I, I, I think a no, lot of us mind. were
1: frankly surprised that he won. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think there was this moment of. Like oh my god, did this just happened,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: um, I remember you were
0: yeah I was not a shell shocked. Remember was, we talked about yes, it? I was yeah. like, mm, I think I we were at gonna... Phil's coffee. Yeah, the yeah,
1: and and yeah, but I I was definitely shell shocked, and then there was this kind of moment of like, well, give them time. Maybe that campaign rhetoric wasn't really the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had other investors say it's serious, not literal, or uh, yeah, or that, that was Peter craziness. It wasn't investors; um, it was one person. Right, and then all of a sudden you realize that it wasn't campaign rhetoric; it was. uh he he meant what he said and mm-hmm. that hate and that fear that he was selling on the campaign was going to be um was going to be policy mm-hmm. and then you know when that whole immigration that Muslim ban happened. You know, I I remember feeling like, okay, we got to start getting organized. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that kind of started. So,
0: what were you political before that? Would you were you involved in the, the Clinton campaign or? I,
1: I was involved in the Clinton campaign. You know, I was involved with um, Tech for Obama. I um, that's
0: right. You I, were very close. Yeah, then.
1: I I, but you know, I I I don't know. I, I'm a bit of a bleeding heart. I marched in D.C. as an undergrad when for the first Kuwait War. I mean, so I I I have cared about this stuff. But uh-huh. I I feel like um, you know, right now it's a it's a time where people need to like take a stand and step step up.
0: So talk about that because tech doesn't do that. It mm-hmm. does. It's 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 always been famous for being non-political. I'll never forget Bill Gates telling me very early in Microsoft's career, we don't have lobbyists. Mm-hmm. Now they have 412 of them. But right. you know, being very much like that's not us. We're here making the world. We're changing the world. We don't need that stuff. They still have that sort of attitude, or right. m- maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I think, you know, as one thing, you know, example of this whole Muslim ban, you know, there was, you know, a response from the tech community. Mm-hmm. And I think on one hand, employees, I think, were pretty vocal. You had right. this walkout at Google mm-hmm. and you had lots of employees caring, you know, the fundraising to the ACLU. A lot of it came from the tech community. So you mm-hmm. had this, this massive, you know, outcry of like, hey, this is unacceptable, you know, behavior. And um, and then you had a bit of a weak uh, response from CEOs. Yeah,
0: a, a bit. You right. know how hard I was. <laughs> right. yeah. and
1: and I think that is the part that we need to like really shine a light on because you know I think that you know CEOs even when they started getting involved, they started taking the position of of like, hey, this immigration is banned because it's not good for business. Business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not what the employees are upset about. I, I think tech CEOs, we should just remind them that, you know, their customers and their employees matter more than their shareholders. Mm-hmm. And, and That's I an think,
0: unusual thing to say. Yeah. Tease that out a little bit, that idea. Because I agree with you. I think their base, you know, if you talk about bases, their yeah. base are their employees and their customers. Right. And that once they, they're true to their alleged values, right. they do well.
1: Right. That's exactly right. I mean, the shareholder piece is uh, – is, is really, you know, uh, a second-order bit in, in computer science. Yeah, absolutely. Parlance. So I, I think that's the part that we just need to kind of encourage and, and you know, and, and give them the license to, like, actually speak up. Because you know people like Tim Cook actually care about these issues. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I think they feel restricted in taking a point of view on this stuff. A little bit of fear. I think they feel like if they get alienated by this Trump administration that bad things will happen to their company. But like, what bad thing is going to happen to Apple? Right, you, right, you
0: know, right. That's what I feel. I think I said right. that the Howard is the most richest people in the world right. getting cowed. Right. If right. they're cowed, we're, we're, the rest right. of us are screwed, right. essentially. Right.
1: So I, I think the, you know, paying, obsessing on the customer and your employees, you know, is going to really show the us product. the right way to do it.
0: Right, right. and the product. Right. So why don't venture capitalists do it at all? Because you don't hear a peep out of venture capitalists, really.
1: Well, you know, there. I think the whole um, Muslim ban. You did see a bunch of VCs getting involved with fundraising for the mm-hmm. ACLU and, and things like that. Which th- you
0: were pushing, correct? You were I, was, doing-
1: I was pushing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a number of us were for sure. But like, I, I think that you know, I think the opportunity is now for people to get involved, and, and I think we're seeing it. Mm-hmm. I, I do. But I think there has been this, you know, response that you know started out a little bit slow with our industry. Uh, but I think it's it's picking up. You
0: do. I think it's coming b- falling back. Yeah, I do. I mm-hmm. think it's just this was good for business immigration. But one of the CEOs told me we can't complain about everything. I'm like, why not? Why can't you? Com-? You know, it was sort of we complain about Muslims. We're going to complain about transgender. We're going to complain about the net, the privacy stuff, whatever, whatever, or encryption or whatever it happens right, to be. Right. And some of the more so the social stuff. But they're like, well, we can't the Planned Parenthood. Can we do that? It just goes on and on and on. And these are sort of even though they're not tech issues, they're core to the tech constituency, which is interesting.
1: Well, that's right. And that's the part where I come back to before, because, you know, first of all, you should care as a citizen of this country or this mm-hmm. planet. And then I think the other piece is, CEOs should remember that they their employees look up to them. Mm-hmm. And if they feel like their employer is not going to speak up and represent their interests, whether it's transgender issues, women's rights issues, the environment Immigration, I, I think. I think it's a it's a missed opportunity for sure.
0: So, what are you doing? Explain. You've written a lot about it. You tweet a lot, obviously. Which yeah. and I'm telling you, you're unusual. You think you're not, but you. Not many people. It's you and Aaron Levy making a joke every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, and he does it mostly with humor, um, and it's not clear. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's more. Well,
1: Fred Wilson and Brett Fred, Feld are yes. are really involved raising, yes. raising a bunch of money and speaking right. up. But I, th- I think it's just it's it's uh, shining a light on this issue and 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 getting other folks involved. I think there's I think that one challenge I am hearing from folks is, is a bit of how do I help? How do I get right. involved? It seems like there's so yeah. many
0: different. ways Sam Altman, uh, Altman doing something. Mark Pinkus is, is up to something. Everybody's right. up to a different thing. Right, right. So what do you what would how do you think tech should be involved and what should be the big issues?
1: Well, I think there's there's a few things. You know the tech. Community, I think we had it really good with Obama (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think there was this this shock that I mentioned that we really didn't think this was going to happen The like the unimaginable happened, but I think it was a wake-up call as well I think Mm -hmm. the tech community kind of didn't really pay attention to what Trump voters were thinking about Mm -hmm. And you know, we kind of were doing our own thing to some extent So you have I think this complicated issue where on one hand we kind of were doing our own thing We didn't expect this to happen and then now that it's happened, how do we engage? How do we, you know, reach out? How do we have a conversation with people that feel disenfranchised? How do we speak up with these issues that, you know, should be important to all of us? I mean, this whole thing where um, Congress allowed ISPs to sell your data, mm-hmm. we should all care about that. That's not a—like, right. uh, I, don't, I don't think Trump ran on that. That wasn't mm-hmm. a uh, swing state uh, hot issue or litmus test. Um, so I think there's plenty of issues that we can kind of connect on, you know, whether it's minimum wage— the environment, consumer protection, civil rights. Like, I, I don't think these are partisan things. So
0: how does that happen? Because there is seems to be a lot of organizing, but not a lot of doing. There's a lot of people. I've had so many lunches with people. I want to do this. Different people are starting packs. It's, it's, right. it's typically, you know, one, of, one person was like, oh, we should have our a Koch brother kind of approach. I'm like, but there isn't someone like that in tech. There's like 90 different voices screaming <laughs> at the same time. How do you organize?
1: Well, look. I think it's not one silver bullet. I think we need, you know, great people to run for office. I, I, I'm wondering if you're going to run mm-hmm. or or not. If so, let me know because yeah. um, w- would love to be supportive. I, I think it's 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 multifaceted. I think as an industry, we need to engage. I think we need to get energized people running for office that you know really. Give, can i curse on this show i don't know yeah but, you okay. can please that do. really give a shit mm-hmm. and and i think we have to you know um not be afraid i think there is this level of fear about speaking up and getting involved what
0: about your founders do you feel like you get hurt by being so vocal because you are one of the more vocal people do you think does it has hurt a, in what way that, you know startup people say ah, i don't want you to be quite so blabby about politics
1: nobody said that right i haven't heard it i haven't heard at it, all yeah you
0: know. yeah do you think it helps you well I,
1: I that's the part where I, I think it does because I think there is a a groundswell of of shared concern I, I don't think there's this like you know radical left wing fringe that cares about these issues. I think most of us care about these issues mm-hmm. and and so I think speaking up if it gets another person talking and another person talking and organized i I, I think it's a good thing
0: and what do you what are your plans to do for the next election? What are you, you going to become more political or do you I hope so such as.
1: You know I think it's um all the things we talked about getting the tech community engaged mm-hmm. with um everyday issues, getting involved in civil rights issues um helping raise money um helping good people run for office I, I think that'll be and that'll what be is enough.
0: your what are your top what is your top issue what is it immigration is that the one that really set you off or is there any others
1: uh, immigration was one that I, I i certainly is remains one I care about, but it was for me it was not about this whole like immigration for getting um, workers. Share, yeah, it was yeah. more of like it let's get our like workers a, in a here, like a civil rights issue to some extent. You know, kind mm-hmm. of like banning people on religion felt like that was just a, a wrong, or mm-hmm. you know, in the courts of greed and everything else. Um, so I think I think civil rights, broadly speaking, is something I'm, I'm quite passionate do you, about. Do you
0: have any hope for this administration? Do you think it? Because there's so many issues: self-driving cars, right. changing workplace, that government has to weigh in on health care. Right. Right. Do you have any hopes for this administration? Or do you, what do you feel like they should be doing right now? <laughs> this
1: administration? Yeah, yeah. I think start with, like, uh, telling the truth would be great. Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> you know.
1: I'm not very optimistic about this administration. What I am optimistic about is that I think that people realize the stakes are higher than they imagined. This mm-hmm. wasn't campaign rhetoric our side didn't win like we don't have a moderate run in the country like you know so i think i think people will um get energized for the next for the midterms i, I think what happened for example on the healthcare care thing that failed mm-hmm. was that there was a grassroots effort that got involved at town hall meetings and things like this kind of thing is um whether it's in social media or at a town hall like i think it's all part of the all part of the um Getting people involved,
0: and is the government capable of dealing with some of these big issues that are coming up? I'm, I'm thinking around healthcare, cars, digital privacy, all kinds of things. Are the government people in place to be able to navigate this? That's this next couple of years. This right. is the kind of stuff that has to be decided.
1: I think there are really hard issues. Minimum wage is a really big mm-hmm. deal. Um, yeah, I mean, I new uh, sharing think it's economy be
0: hard. and how workers are looked at, automation, robotics.
1: Right. Well, you have uh, the treasury secretary that says that robotics is not going to be a threat for 50 years.
0: So Bijan is. Are robotics going to be a threat? Yes, it already is.
1: <laughs> it already is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, that was a crazy remark that, that yeah. Mnuchin said. You know? yeah. So like, I think step one is we have to take these challenges seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then step two is uh, get great people working on it.
0: And what do you think the most critical issue with that? Is it cars? Is it infrastructure? Is it robotics? What are you looking at?
1: You mean as a, as a venture capitalist well, or as, a, as somebody as a citizen, who cares about these yeah. things? Look, I, I think a, as, a, as a VC, we're constantly drawn to people that are creatively trying to invent new things and new ideas mm-hmm. and i hope we continue to do that for a long time but i, I think we are at a really important stage with where this administration is taking us where you know climate change we're, we're actually debating whether climate change is the thing mm-hmm. you know the epa is being dismantled mm-hmm. like it's it's i, yeah. I think uh, we're at defcon 4.
0: yeah okay all right when we get back we're going to talk a little bit about where tech is going and where tech investing is going with bijan sabit who is the a Venture Capitalist General Partner at Spark Capital. This show is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Their award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. Create a beautiful website or online store with Squarespace's all in one platform. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. They'll set you up with a unique domain, and they provide award-winning 24-7 customer support. Squarespace is used by a wide range of creatives, people, and businesses, musicians, designers, artists, restaurants, and more. So make your next move with Squarespace. Use the offer code RECODE for 10% off your first purchase of the website or a domain. That's offer code RECODE for a 10% off your first purchase at squarespace.com. This podcast is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. If you're hiring, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job on more than 200 job sites, including Facebook and Twitter, all with one click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. One more time to go try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. We're here with Bijan Sabit, who is a longtime venture capitalist, someone who I've known for a long time. Uh, we've been talking about politics, about his past investments. Let's talk about the now in tech. Where, where are we now? I mean, I talk to a lot of venture capitalists, and it seems like a little bit of a fallow period. Maybe it's just me. I'm just bored out of my mind or okay. something. But what do you see the big areas of tech happening right now? Because we've got these big companies, Apple, right. Facebook, right. Google, Amazon, that have kind of, and Microsoft's still there. Obviously, it's enormous. And then you have a bunch of smaller companies and some upcoming ones, but it seems quiet right now. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: I understand your point. I'm very optimistic. You know, we, You know, we really believe in this whole David versus Goliath thing. I think Mm -hmm. if we just let big companies dictate the pace of innovation, we're going to be bored out of our minds. Mm -hmm. But I I see, if anything, like the audacity of entrepreneurs are thinking bigger than ever. I mean, we were the first investors in Cruise, Mm -hmm. um, which sold their company to General Motors, um, that, you know, we believe is the leader in autonomous vehicle technology. I mean, you know, like when we started Talking about Cruise, you sold it. yeah, Yeah.
0: Why did you sell it?
1: it it was just a A lot of money it was it was felt like a a really compelling offer yeah yeah but i guess the thing that i i I wanted to to mention is like when we started spark there was no iphone there was no app store Mm -hmm. so if it but and you know people were building apps and there's nothing wrong with apps apps have changed Mm -hmm. the world but to think that we've now come to a place where not only we have an iphone and an app store but you know they're fairly ubiquitous and Mm -hmm. now people can think about self-driving cars we we were the uh uh lead investor in oculus like to think Mm -hmm. about you know, virtual reality. I mean these are are big, big ideas and um I, I it gets me terribly excited.
0: So you're all over the place. Cruise, Oculus, Tumblr, and selling. You sell a lot. You seem to sell a lot. Can you I'm talking about like big companies being started now. Now right. Uber, of course, was one of those right. or Airbnb um, that people think could remain independent. Assess the Uber situation. If you were a venture capitalist there right now, mm-hmm. I don't know. Are you in it? I'm not base? Okay, you're the only now. few. One okay. of the few. What happened there, and what do you imagine is going to happen?
1: Well, look, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, crazy what's happening over there. I guess you know this yeah. whole broke culture, you know, is being. You're seeing it for all of its that it's worth. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and it's it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know I, I'm not an investor. I don't know what's going on in the boardroom. I there's I know talented people on that board. I imagine they're taking this very seriously and, and uh, they do? should be really concerned. Uh, I would not be a happy camper right now. Look, I mean, there's plenty of ways to make money in this world. And, you know, we have companies that are are doing great work. Are they all perfect? No. But like, like what I'm hearing, if even part of it was true, I'd be really deeply disturbed.
0: How would you fix that? How does one fix a company that's troubled? You've been involved in all kinds of different situations.
1: Well, I think step one, you have to acknowledge whether there's problem yeah yeah <laughs> and uh i think if if uh you know you've got to acknowledge there's a problem and then and then you know have a real plan to fix it i mean look at this whole fox news craziness mm-hmm. with these like cover up of yeah of, of the stuff I, I, the thing it's i read the other day probably. was they were the response was they didn't call the hr hotline right yeah, like that's yeah. that's criminal to me right Right. and so you know because yeah, that's
0: the thing one does when get, one gets sexually harassed a right. hotline right yeah.
1: right and um and so I think, you know, it's, it's really acknowledging there's an issue and then, and then dealing with it. And if you're at a company where, you know, the CEO is behaving badly, you have to acknowledge, is that a CEO problem or is that something else? And, uh, and um, so I think, I think step one is, is uh, identify the problem. How hard is that
0: as an investor when you have a situation like that?
1: Look, it's never easy if you Cause have Because
0: you want a, to sort of defend them. I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I think I gave Bill Gurley a hard time today. I was mm-hmm. like, he's silent. And, and he usually lectures everybody about how they should behave and then mm-hmm. suddenly falls silent when he's got problems in his own house, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, I've seen our companies where people have gone after our companies. And some VCs have gone after, you know, we're investors in Postmates. And, you know, I, I love what Bastian's doing over there. And VCs have gone after him publicly. And I, I don't understand this thing. But I, the thing we're drawn to are entrepreneurs that are doing their best to do great work. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about making money. Mm-hmm. And – um I think that um, you know, if you have a situation where the CEO is doing you know terrible things, you got to deal with it.
0: You got to deal with it, but they don't. It seems like they indulge more than deal. Well,
1: I I think this will be a test. Mm-hmm. I, I I think at this level, if if there's no change, it would be it would be surprising.
0: Not to me, but all right, okay, <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. So, what else are you interested? In? You've been in Trello. You that just had a recent uh, outcome right, for you. Right. Right. Talk about why you're an enterprise, because that's, that's, it is enterprise, right? Right, consumer right. Consumer enterprise, I'm consumer not sure. Consumer
1: enterprise. You know, yeah. I, I, I am really excited about what's happening at in the workplace, not because I came out of the enterprise world or anything. I mean, as I mentioned, Spark started with this consumer mindset. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the iPhone in some ways instructed us there as well, because you had a situation where consumers or workers were making their own decisions. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a while, like in 07, people were kind of carrying two phones, like they had a their company was giving them a Blackberry and then right. walk in with an iPhone because that mm-hmm. was what they preferred to use. And I think we're now seeing more of that where end users within the workplace are making their sure. own decisions. And so we're investors in Slack. And Slack is the same thing. People decide to use Slack on their own. Mm-hmm. And then it grows from there. Trello had the same behavior. Trello is this beautiful Tumblr-like experience for group collaboration. Right. And um and and that's what you know we're drawn to is, is people building these products for consumers that happen to be at work
0: what do you like about slack love another slack. do you use of course our right. whole company's on it
1: right, awesome That's why slack we love slack
0: yeah slack slack why didn't it sell
1: well stewart wants to go all the way and right we we uh we're big believers were you
0: in it but when it was bad slack before it was slack <laughs> the slack. game company the game
1: company we were not in the game company. no
0: you just no. came in afterwards yeah. Yeah. yeah and what do you like about that Bad slack. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, yeah. What was it called? I, I went up to Vancouver to write about it too. The yeah, game I,
1: It was a multi. Yeah, multiplayer game, uh, game. He loves. You know, Flickr he, started off as a right. game company that's too. Right. He
0: loves that. He said he should start more game companies. he told
1: story. If you ever build another game company, like we're, we're <laughs> in,
0: <laughs> and staying in until he screws that up and starts another company, what do you like about that? What's the again of all these? What's your what's your thematic venture thesis? Well, I, I think
1: the thing for. About Slack in particular, and we have three offices, so we see it, you know, firsthand. It, it, you know, really feels like we're connected in in a way that is is fun. We have channels on Slack that's absolutely ridiculous yeah, and hilarious. Yeah, so Vox Media. Do you? What's, what's no, your most? I ridiculous don't, I don't pay channel. attention to any of them. I, I'm
0: <laughs> way too old for that stuff. But there's like a, oh, it's everything. Every right. single possible weird iteration of yeah. interest.
1: But I, I think it's it's a product that the end user inside the workplace is delighted. I mm-hmm. think that's the piece that, you know, like we see it as users, we happen to be investors, but mm-hmm. it's it's uh, people use Slack every single day. Mm-hmm. And and that that's inspiring to us. And what else is
0: interesting you right now? What do you think is important? You were in Lily. Yes. What happened to Lily? <sighs> Drones are hard. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Drones are hard. Drones is hard. Okay. <laughs> Drones is hard. Why?
1: Although I was flying a drone this morning out by the... Bay Bridge, with some people right outside your office. All right, okay. Um, you know, hardware is hard. You know, these are complicated systems. Um, it's not just building a website. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to deal with manufacturing and supply chain and all these things. I mean, we're in a number of exciting hardware companies. Um, some I've mentioned, others we haven't talked about. And these are these are substantial projects. And mm-hmm. and uh, and the Lily one, it's a heartbreak. We, we that I think that product is. Is exactly what this market needs, um, but um, we were unable to deliver.
0: Why pull the plug? Because you couldn't deliver? Because there was no business? Or
1: you know, the financing became too difficult given the engineering challenges. That mm-hmm. combination was too hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Will there be a personal drone?
1: I think there will, I, I, and I don't even think it's a drone. I think it's a, these are. It's like the evolution of the camera. I think right. it's a flying camera.
0: Well, which was Lily. Which was Lily. Yeah. Right. Right. Do you imagine it coming back or just going Lily back? Lily itself?
1: Or, yeah. No, Lily itself is not going to come back. But I think it, it's, it's inevitable.
0: Why but, were you so hopeful there then? Just because you like the idea? Well, like, you
1: know, current products today are really aimed at people that want to be like pilots. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more around piloting and flying than photography. And right. I feel like uh, or felt at the time and still believe that, um, you know, we're drawn to creative products and creative tools. Mm-hmm. And the evolution of the camera is going to be this kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be uh, – I mean, photos and videos that you take from a flying camera are epic by nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think people are drawn to them. Mm-hmm. I know I am.
0: So did you lose a lot of money in that yeah, one? Yeah, we lost money. <laughs> Would you do it we again? We lost all of our money. All your money. Yeah. Would you do it again? Did everyone get their money back? I know no, there was some no, controversy. No no no. no, no, no. Oh, the, the users, users are getting their money back. They're getting yeah, their yeah, money yeah, back. Yeah. That—that's So happening. an execution problem or just hardware is hard, which is kind of –
1: you know, I, I I respect for everyone that put a tremendous amount of blood, sweat, and tears. I I I'd, I'd rather be a little you know shy in this one, but it was it was a complicated situation. Yeah.
0: All right. What are, what else are you interested? Robotics? Do you have anything in robotics, or what what do, what is your if you could invest in anything right now, what would it be? And you can invest in anything right yeah, now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I but mean, what, well, there's some stuff we we don't we don't do biotech and right. life sciences stuff, but I mean, we're we're looking for, you know. People that are looking to do substantial things that create new markets. I think the thing that we love the most is, you know, if, if you ask me what the market size is for hundred forty character messaging service, right. like, I couldn't give you an answer for that. Right. Uh, or what's the <laughs> market? Either can Twitter for? at
0: this point. But go ahead. <laughs> oh come on.
1: <laughs> but I couldn't tell you what the market size is for virtual reality. We couldn't. Right. We don't really pay attention to like market size. We care about you know amazing what founders. idea just
0: compels you right now that you say i mean obviously i just told you when i overheard the uber driver was obsessed with life extension but that's typical of a young man in san francisco okay. who's not even close to dying to yeah. talk about dying
1: because yeah. they're so yeah.
0: narcissistic what do you, is there some area that you're like
1: mm-hmm. I, there's a bunch of areas but one in particular we're, we're thinking about is you know the impact that social has on things like education and health care you know we've we've Made a lot of investments in social when it comes to media sure. or social when it's come to workplace with Slack and Trello. Sure, I th- so I think you'll see um, exciting things in kind of consumer advocacy around health and education. I think it'd be yeah. The lack of exciting. knowledge is
0: massive. It's a big deal. It's weird, and but people need actually, which is an interesting way. So let's finish up talking a little bit about Twitter and Donald Trump. How do you feel? Do you feel responsible, Bijan? Because I blame you and Jack Dorsey. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think yeah. of that? What do you?
1: I look, I think that— um, He's using it. More, it's, he's we're using governing
0: it. via Twitter right now. We are. Go- he is governing via Twitter.
1: Do you think he would have won the election if it wasn't for Twitter?
0: I think he's the first Twitter president, yes. Do I I think it marketed him beautifully. I think yeah. it got him to his users. It gave him a voice. I think the, it was genius because the media pays attention. Cause the media is o- yeah. over-indexes on Twitter, right. even though it's a much smaller company than, say, Facebook or anything else. The media is obsessed with Twitter. Um, so I think it's a perfect storm for him. Yeah, I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I look, I think for every, you know, situation like that, obviously, that's not the person I voted for. So I I have a lot of concerns we talked about endlessly. But ultimately, more voices are good. You know, more advocacy is good. Mm -hmm. More people getting involved. You know, I went to the Women's March in D.C. I mean, I I think that was pretty much organized on Twitter. So I think think you're going to see things that we're going to find objectionable. Yeah. But I think the the benefit is so much more Really. I think the powerful. objectionable people
0: use it better than Do you? Than none. Yes, I do. I think they're excellent at it. I think he's oh. a I think he's a Twitter genius. I don't know how else to put it. Everyone hmm. always makes fun of him. I'm like that was smart.
1: Well, he's, he's, uh, he's got a black belt in distracting people from the real agenda. Yes, he
0: does. Right. He does. Does it make you feel bad sometimes? Like, ugh, I was the one who put this friggin' business in business.
1: No, I don't, I don't feel bad. I think, you know, this will work out in the end. You think? Yeah. All
0: right. Last thing, I talk a lot about people's uh, mistakes that they made mm-hmm. and, and things that tips. And entrepreneurs really do like to hear about what things that they should pay attention to or what yeah. mistakes you've made. Can you talk just a little bit about a few? I don't want to do life learn, you know. <laughs> okay. Learning moment. Yeah, how much time I, you got? Yeah, but g- give me one or two like, things that you did that you wish you had done differently and something you did really well that you think you made it. Because you clearly have your finger on the pulse of a lot of early stuff. Um, it doesn't always turn out right necessarily, but it's also – it points directions yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, I, you know, the thing about VCs that you know, people should be mindful of, especially VCs, is that we're mostly wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes. the, the business oh God, that we're in is that.
1: we're investing in you know crazy ideas. Some mm-hmm. are legitimately crazy, mm-hmm. and statistically or whatever, like yeah. I think I think you know good VCs are probably eighty percent wrong. Bad VCs are like a hundred percent wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um so I I think when VCs tend to get too serious about like kind of talking from the top of the mountain it it, that makes my skin kind of crawl a little bit so i Mm -hmm. think i think the mistakes that you know i mostly feel a little uh, cringeworthy is when i kind of feel like i figured it all out because that's that's the vc trap Mm -hmm. it's like oh i've seen all this stuff before i've got the i've got these two tablets i've got the answer and um, and that's, that's the part, you know, that is a progress. So you want to progress.
0: say you're stupid. You're essentially saying
1: like we're, acknowledge we're, uh, your stupidity. I think that's a healthy thing to do.
0: Yeah. And I, I would be remiss in asking you this, but women in BC, this has mm-hmm. been a big topic, obviously, at Uber and yeah. things like that, uh, and people of color and different people, age, different ages. What, what's the problem with BCs? Because a lot of people point to the lack of diversity in BCs directly to the lack of diversity in startups and yeah. sort of yeah. this entire continuum that continues yeah
1: I mean look when we started this place or even when I was in startups and I talked to other VCs I mean you know kinda rolling back the tape a little bit it was all lily white dudes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i remember when i got into this business Yeah, you got some color too i got some color and weird name and people like where did you get your mba did you go to harvard or Stanford? I, by the way yeah. i have no mba uh-huh. and so you know what we is went, that
0: name it seems yeah it's like
1: what's your name and then and you know now we've got a firm with people like santo and Nabia like weird names uh-huh. and weird colors and all mm-hmm. that stuff and and so i think we've kind of made progress there but clearly i mean the gender issue is obvious and, and has to be dealt with. I mean mm-hmm. our our two most recent partners at Spark are, are women, Megan Quinn and Rachel mm-hmm. Horowitz. Um Megan and, is
0: from Kleiner, correct? Yeah she
1: was at um you know Stanford, Google, Square, mm-hmm. Kleiner, Spark. Right. And Rachel. Rachel was four years at Twitter mm-hmm. and uh and then Facebook and mm-hmm. then and then Spark. And I'm ecstatic that they're at Spark. Um should we have had two women partners Earlier than a couple years ago? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitively yes. And uh, what took us so long, you know, that's that obviously in retrospect was uh, we should have done a lot earlier.
0: Well, what did take you so long? What do you think it is? Because, you know, then you have people like Mike Morris and others saying, well, we, if we had women, we'd find them. And I think that's just a lie, like an actual lie that they tell themselves. Yeah, I
1: think you've just got to be really – Mindful of this stuff. I mean, you know, I, I've heard now plenty of examples where people like get Slack and like they, when they hire Slack somebody, is particularly they say, hey, we're hiring diversified candidates only for these, mm-hmm. these roles. And yeah, I think you have to be that intentional about things. And um, I think that's, uh, that's what this industry needs is to be intentional. So
0: how does that change?
1: I think there are, part of it is role models. You know, you see companies like Slack and others like, you know, really, you know, walking the walk. And I think, that's part of it because then employees are drawn to those companies that are more, you know, doing the right Pass thing. Forward. Right, and they're role models, and then other entrepreneurs are like, oh, you know, I look up to Stuart, I know what he's doing over there. I'm going to emulate that here. And I, I think there's a lot of uh, the impact of role modeling is a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. Lastly, are you hopeful or helpless? Hopeful. Do you feel hopeful or helpless right now?
1: You know, there are definitely dark days, but on the whole, I'm, I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah. Well, Bannon's off the NSC. You should feel better. That is a good day. That's today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This has been a great talk with Bijan Sabat, who is a venture capitalist at Spark Capital. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with Tipping Point Community CEO Daniel Lurie, Lightspeed Venture Partner. Jeremy Liu and Cowboy Ventures investor Aileen Lee, just to name a few. That's my little venture capitalist, except for Daniel. All those interviews and more are at recode.net slash decode. Now that you're done with this, why not try one of our other podcasts? Recode Media with Peter Kafka comes out every Thursday. On Fridays, I host two Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge. And on Recode Replay, you can find the audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and Jason Del Rey's Code Commerce. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Digital Media, the company that distributes this show, including Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then.